some meatloaf! Hey, welcome everyone. It's Sunday, May 10th, Mother's Day, the day I make my mother waffles and make her a sexually explicit Mother Day card <laughs> with some good Photoshop. So to all you mothers and bad motherfuckers out there, this one's for you. <laughs> this is Socially Uneducated, where we talk about anything and everything, and it's season one. The quarantine tapes were all locked up and hidden away in a room and parents have thrown away the key. Talking via Zoom, so if I suddenly can't be heard, it's because I've had the leave for Asia or my internet's given out. <laughs> this is episode one, first time for everything. How about you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Mac Lougheed. I uh, go to Brock. I'm six foot five, two hundred and seventy-five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've, I've, I've been described as a brick shit house, and uh, <laughs> I, I, enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy eating oatmeal once in a while. Do you want to do your intro there, Evan? Yeah, sure. All right, so yeah, my name's Evan. Uh, I enjoy eating oatmeal once in a while too, just like Mac. Uh, I go to Brock. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else. Okay, well that's good enough. We'll just throw it over to you now. My name is Matt, and I think uh, out of the bunch, I'm the most avid oatmeal eater. Last year, <laughs> I dressed up as the Quaker Oats guy for Halloween, so that's hopefully fair. that proves it. Um, <laughs> I too go to Brock, but I'm only four one. 112 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes Mac puts me on his shoulders and we make a mega man. <laughs> yeah, I sit, I sit right in the middle there at about 5, 6. So so before we get things rolling, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to our loyal... <laughs> our loyal supporters out there. Grandma... Evan's brother, Jared, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, let's get this bad boy started. Here in the show, we talk about anything and everything, and uh, I think the anything and everything is going to start off with a little album review. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? Yeah, you know, ladies in the back know what I'm talking about. So uh, every week we're gonna choose. <laughs> we're gonna choose an album. This week was decided by myself. Um, I like to think of myself as a, a kind of artsy guy, even though I don't really put much effort into finding artsy things. But uh, I like to suckle off the teat of other people's uh, artsy knowledge. So um, yeah, this week's. Let me just pull this bad boy up here. Um, as you guys will probably find out, I am very horrible technology. It took me approximately 20 minutes to get the Zoom call going. <laughs> I'm I'm afraid I'm a boomer of some sort. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this head. week's out. And yeah, <laughs> can't forget that. Head. You can't get any worse than that. It's game over. He's got that but, lazy uh, eye sometimes too when he drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> 
Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> this week's album um brought to you by MGMT. Seem a little a little frisky those bunch and uh this is their debut album. <laughs> Oracular Spectacular. Well uh you ladies mind if I give a little insight into the album, a little backstage pass to the Please band do themselves? go for it. Okay. Well, uh, MGMT. They're an American pop and rock band. And they were formed in 2002 in Middletown, Connecticut. And as we all know, Connecticut is known as the nutmeg state. We all knew that. I must... Uh, anyways. Let's <laughs> 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 we'll gloss over that. <laughs> It was a the band was originally founded by multi instrumentalists. I'm gonna butcher these last names, just like how Evan can't say Bono apparently. <laughs> Bono. Bono. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna cut that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Founded by uh, Andrew Van Wingarden and Ben Goldwasser. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> cut that out. Jeez. <laughs> I nearly died. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Hold on. Get some water. I just felt like a ghost enter my body there. Mm. <clears throat> okay, three, two, one, action. So currently, uh, since you know, it's kind of hard to run a band with two people, as uh, I found out in my earlier years of uh, guitaring. Uh, their live lineups consist of a drummer named Will, a bassist named Simon, and a guitar slash keyboardist named James. None of them have last names. Um, I think they're <laughs> Indonesian slaves. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they're originally signed by some, I don't even know, some little record company. We're not going to mention them. Well, I think they're kind of like just an independent band, right? Well, they were originally, but then in 2006, they signed with Columbia and uh, Red Ink. Okay. So that's and, just like uh, a subsidiary. Red, yeah, and Red Ink uh, also works with artists such as G Easy and Cage the Elephant. I like me some Cage in my elephant. You know what I'm saying? And uh, this album was released on October 2nd, 2007. Oracular Spectacular. And it was their debut studio out album. Album. It received some pretty positive reviews, praising it for its production value, musical direction, and composition. In 2009, it was nominated for the International Album Award at the 2009 Brit Awards. Those British people just love some funky rock and pop, you know? 2012. This is probably their best accolade. 2012, the Rolling Stones ranked the album at number 494 on its list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Just squeaked in. Yep, just barely got under. But you know what? That's more than I can say for uh, 
me and my grade four crazy frog dance crew. We'll get this podcast up there though. Yeah. <laughs> Number one album of peaking. all time. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> we'll do nothing. <laughs> my grandmother can't see this. It'll it'll be for the sole reason of Evan's pronunciation of the name Bono. Check out this asshole. (laughs) 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 But at its peak, it was number 38 on the US Billboard Top 200 in 2008. Not too bad. Its highest position overall was at number four in Ireland. (laughs) That was a horrible (laughs) Irish accent. Um, not cutting that. And in the Canadian billboards, it didn't do too bad either. It was at number twenty-four at its peak, but you know, us Canadians like to stick to some more rustic songs. You know, stuff from Newfoundland and uh, the Jane and Finch streets of Toronto. Blind Boy so, Willie and the Marching Band, that kind of <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's my jam, I'll tell you. <laughs> if that doesn't get a girl home with you, I don't know what will. And. Uh, <laughs> You hey, know, baby, I went shook hands with Blind Boy Willie. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It actually did win one award. It won Best Album at the 2008 NME Awards. And you know what? That's another British award show that I'm not going to get into because, frankly, I don't care. <laughs> I was going to say I'd never heard of that. <laughs> well, you probably never will after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay so what are your thoughts on the album uh my thoughts you know what i personally would have put it in 495th but i agree no honestly my thoughts on it pretty pretty solid it reminds me a lot of uh revolver is it by the Be- beatles is that what it is the beatles really yeah it kind of reminds me of that kind of uh a little hypnotic, a little kind of gets uh, gets you making want to try some heroin. Psychedelic, you know? yeah, a little psychedelic, you know. Um, yeah, probably my favorite bangers from that bad. It's boy. your favorite band? No, no, no. My favorite bangers from that album. It's not my favorite oh. band. Um, I can barely pronounce their name, so it shows you that, but. Definitely. Well, you know, you got the you got the you got the bangers like the the popular ones. You got the time to pretend, which is kind of cool. It talks about kind of just a a linear look into a rock star's life. Kind of, uh, you know, everyone's ODing and all that jazz. You got electric feel. Electric feel is a all time banger, for sure. Kids is like I think kids is good, but I think it's a little like overplayed, you know. But then one that gets gets my uh, gets my head thinking. Fourth dimensional transition. I like that jazz. That is some smooth, you know. Gets the gets the parts going. Gets the nerves smooth quivering. Like butter. Yeah. What uh? What are your guys' thoughts, Evan? What do you have? Um. So to be honest, when you this is the one that you brought to us. I wasn't actually sure who they were and uh, wasn't actually sure what the songs were, but as soon as I listened to them, I sort of, I'd obviously heard them before and 
yeah, I'd say some of my favorites were Time to Pretend. That one probably is my favorite. And Kids. Kids is a good one, too. Like you said, a little overplayed. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it's not it's not my cup of tea, like sort of my sort of music that I love. But um, overall, I, I enjoyed listening Evan's to it. Evan's a huge fan of nav loves nav cannot get it cannot get enough of nav yeah shout out nav he just uh released an album couldn't name a single song on it but and it sounds the exact same as his last one but oh oh we 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 already starting some nav beef on this podcast get a get a a couple of the home get a couple of the homeboys down here yeah, what's with that bowl haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, what are your thoughts? It looks like a man child. Yeah, I'll give mine. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had heard of the band, but I didn't know what kind of music they did. I didn't know any of their songs, but as soon as I turned it on, I recognized a few of them. The first song, "Time to Pretend." Um, is in Little Big Planet. I don't know if you guys played that when you were younger, but it's like the theme song for that game, so I like recognize that instantly. Um, I can see how it would be like really influential too for like newer, like more new wave, um, modern, popular, alternative music. Like I definitely heard a lot of Tame Impala in there, especially Electric Feel. Sounded a lot like a Tame Impala song um i've never heard of that what's what's what was that group's name again it's a it's a pretty small independent band i'd be surprised if you knew any of their music but is is it pretty underground yeah pretty much um same with like foster the people and even like unknown mortal orchestra i don't know if you know that one but they all sound pretty similar so i can see how they would have made a big impact on today's music but then at the same time uh a lot of the songs reminded me a lot of david bowie um especially youth um which i really enjoyed and also the handshake that might have been my favorite one um but yeah i mean yeah i I really like that one but it's not it's not really the kind of music that i listen to but i definitely appreciated it and um i i added a few songs on there put some stuff on playlists and stuff so um i think it was a good recommendation what are your uh, ratings for this album? Do you have a rating out of 10? All things considered, it's got good, uh, sounds nice. It's got good variation. You got some bangers you can add on there, and then there's other stuff that you can listen to. Kind of just when you're caught up in uh, some emotions or some feels. So I'd give it a solid 8.5 for myself. How about you, Evan? Yeah, I mean, just, just sort of based off of the fact that it's not my sort of music, but I did still enjoy it. I would probably give it like an eight, something like that. Um, yeah, I would say uh, probably like an eight one for me. I could definitely see myself blasting this on my iPod Nano while scrolling through MySpace in like 2003 or whenever this came out. So... <laughs> Um, it had like a mid two thousands vibe. Yeah, this song has got four year old Matthew written all over it. You know, just yeah, trying to keep up with his MySpace friends. Get those girls <laughs> in mind. Okay, 
So, uh, yeah, that concludes the album portion of this perfectly put together podcast. Okay, I've got a I've got a random question. Um, you kind of gotta think on your toes for this one, but um, name uh, a cool fictional character who would be really lame in everyday life. Someone who like you watch them in a movie and it's like yeah they're cool, but then if you took them out of the movie and you like were friends with them and you just like hung out with them every day and stuff. They would actually be like super lame. Um, I can go first, just so you guys yeah, have more time first. to think. Um, I said John Krasinski in A Quiet Place because you wouldn't be able to talk. He would just be shushing you. You couldn't go to the bar with him. You couldn't play music. You couldn't hang out with friends because the entire time you're just going shh. That's fair. He would be a downer. He would be. And he'd always be on, on the ready to kill something or run away. Yeah, always he's always in fight or flight checking. mode, and I'm not down for that. <laughs> and I'm not down for that. <laughs> um, you know, myself, I'd say uh, kind of go off of that John Wick. Horrible guy to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. He's always... He's always getting a dog and losing it first of all which is just horrible parenting <laughs> they should not he's a uh, man's got so many guns ready to kill lots of people he has no remorse um apparently he can use anything to kill you so that's somewhat alarming um yeah just just would be a just would be a bad time always thinking about his dead wife like come on live a little like yeah, go to the bar. Try to find a new, try to find a new gal, pal. <laughs> Evan. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. Like, I, sort of based on, based on like shows that I've watched, like the show I'm watching right now, Ozark. Like, I probably wouldn't want to be friends with the main. Uh, the main character here, Jason Bateman. Marty Bird. Yeah, Marty Bird, because he's kind of kind of doing, you know, some illegal money laundering and a little bit of a dangerous situation, uh, with the Mexican cartel and um yeah, I'd say he's he was a guy I probably wouldn't want to hang out with because I might die, might fear my uh fear my life. That's a good one. I've got one more I just wanna throw in there. Leonardo DiCaprio in the in the Revenant because he just never leaves you alone. And the guy, he'll stop at nothing. He gets he, if if like he got mauled by a bear on the way to your house or something. I'm not going to stop him. He's going to come over still. Bloody clothed and everything. He's still going to come and hang out on your couch. Ugh. Exactly. Do we have any sports talk? Yeah, I mean we got we got sports next. It's just uh I don't know, I guess sort of normal, like, like we can't talk about anything because nothing's going on right now, but um, there's lots of stuff about, uh, like, co like uh, some of the major sports associations are trying to figure out places that they could play and finish out their seasons. Like, I know I've heard 
the NBA going to uh, like Disney World. I've heard uh, them going to Vegas. Yeah, different different play different uh, associations going to Vegas. And I know the MLB announced last night that they're proposing to start the season in July, and they would um, uh, they'd split the uh, teams up and have half of them in Florida and then the other half in Arizona, like with spring training. Yeah. And then just have like those separate 15 teams play each other in those places. Um, and then I don't know if they've announced what they would do with playoffs, if those teams would end up coming together to meet, but I guess it would kind of be like a spring training format where they're all kind of within, I don't know, like a hundred kilometers of each other. And um, there isn't, really a whole lot of like outside contact going on there'd obviously be, obviously be no fans in the stadium or anything like that but it would be nice to see to sacrifice start at some point yeah i'd rather i'd rather it be on tv with no fans in this in the crowd than nothing at all and just go on to espn and see all those guys saying what if yeah i, I think i think that's the most viable viable option yeah, I mean, you can only compare LeBron and Jordan to each other so many times in a week before it gets old. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice, nice little segue. Yeah, that is a segue there into another sports topic. I don't know yeah. if you want to bring that up, Mac. Uh, the Jordan documentary? Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it so far and all that jazz? Honestly, I think it's... Uh, it's pretty well paced i went into it thinking it was good i know matthew thought the same way that we thought it was going to be basically just only footage from their last championship season but no i like how they're intermingling everything they got stuff kind of like the first episodes especially you can tell focus on the main stars specifically you got that whole episode on jordan then you got the one on on Sky, you got the one on Dennis, and you kind of you kind of get like a good 20, 30 minute chunk on um, the coach, and then Bill Jackson. Who, who else? Then yeah, who else? I think they even talk like his shoe brand, like when he first signed his deal with Nike, and um, yeah, how that all got came about. It's yeah. cool. It's just cool how they have like two different storylines that they kind of put together in each episode where like they they're talking about like the current 98 season but then they're also like slowly uh showing up how they how they got there in the first place yeah yeah like their battle their constant battle with the pistons and all that yeah then the dream team and um, I'm assuming the next episode will probably be on his baseball career because that's kind of the point we're at. Yeah, because they covered the first three championships. Do you guys, based off of what you know, do you think he was kind of like forced to retire for a little bit? Which time? That whole gambling thing. Do you mean like time? after oh, the first time, like for baseball? Yeah, because that whole like gambling thing was pretty much at its high, like at its peak. Well, I don't know if he was forced to retire. I think it was kind of like um, more so like you need to take a break. It was like several things, I think, because 
the other big thing is that like his dad was shot and killed um, after that season, and that was the big reason why he said he's he decided he wanted to play baseball because his dad was a baseball player and um, he had always wanted Jordan to play baseball, not basketball. Um, so I think after his dad died, he realized like maybe I should um, like do what my dad had originally wanted me to do and play baseball. Um, maybe in the long run, it wasn't the best decision, but then also um, you can see in the last couple episodes that like the press and stuff crazy and so exhausting yeah. and he's so tired of it. And I, I think that interview in 93, he even said that like he could walk away at that point and be okay with it. Um, so even, even when he was like 30, he it sounds like he was pretty well ready to retire just for the sake of getting away from the media. Yeah. Um, and I mean, obviously it's good that he came back and I'm sure he doesn't regret coming back at all, but, um, you can see that he definitely wasn't lying about kind of like getting away from the media after he retired, because since he's retired, like sure he owns the Hornets and stuff, but you don't really see him out in public anymore. No. Yeah, definitely. That would play a huge factor into it because he brought up that episode and he's just like, basically the only alone time he had was in the hotel hotels yeah which would be kind of sucky yeah and then i think when he when his dad died too like he probably lost one of his biggest like confidants and one of the few people who he could talk to who he knew wasn't talking to him just because he was michael jordan um yeah because I mean, I'm sure that's a big thing for any celebrity, but when you're that big, like actually being able to know who you can trust and who's like your real friend and uh, stuff would be really hard. So losing somebody like a father would be really difficult. Yeah. I think for me, like, I don't really know a whole bunch about sort of this Bulls team and Jordan and all that backstory stuff. So that's sort of why I'm watching it, just to get like a more insight and more just to learn about it. And for me, at least at this point, uh, like sort of shout out um, Phil Jackson because he's like, I think he's one of the best coaches like in the history of, of the NBA and um, like a big reason why that Bulls team was so successful because especially like during those times when like Jordan was getting harassed and stuff by the media and, and Rodman was getting harassed by the media and all this stuff by the media, he just sort of like said, okay, just go take a break. Like just sort of gave them breaks. And I think those breaks helped them win those championships. And like, I think it was smart on his part to actually recognize that they needed those breaks and just to give it to them and, yeah well i think uh like his coaching style doesn't work for everybody but for somebody like jordan who's like a major leader himself it's good that like he clearly seems to know that he doesn't always have to be the commanding voice in the room and he kind of takes a step back and lets the players speak too because i mean they probably honestly respect Jordan more than they respect him. Some of those young players coming into the team and stuff. So, um, 
like he doesn't always have to be that that guy that tells them what to do and stuff and I think that's kind of what Jordan appreciated but the other thing too is um he also always made those stars work he wasn't always giving them off time and stuff because he knew that um in order for the the team to get better as a whole like they all had to be able to work together and practice properly without those big guys like getting time off and breaks just because they're the better guys on the team so um I mean it's kind of clear why Jordan wouldn't have wanted to play for anyone else and uh that's something that LeBron has never really had he's never really had like that coach that has been like his guy like Tyrone Lou, I guess with Cleveland but it hasn't been really to the same level. He was more so the coach on that team than Tyron Lue was, but yeah, I get that. I get what you're saying. But I think it's uh, like a timely documentary too because a lot of people, a lot of younger kids um, uh, that have grown up just watching LeBron and have never really seen Jordan, a lot of them would probably choose LeBron over Jordan just because he's the only guy who they've really seen like sure if you look at stats maybe LeBron's better at some stuff Jordan's better at others but it's it's not until you really see like the video footage where you see like how good he was on the court that you really get a full appreciation and understanding of what kind of a basketball player he actually was um and I think right now like LeBron is still the biggest name in basketball and uh since Jordan hasn't been in the media much at all in the last 20 years, like bringing this documentary in and exposing it to a bunch of people that were never even alive to watch him play is really big. I don't think I necessarily know enough about basketball to say whether like Jordan is better than LeBron or LeBron's better than Jordan. I don't really take part in those discussions, but I mean, you can obviously tell that like I th- I feel like watching those clips that Jordan had a tougher time just with the playing style, like the way that he was physically like beaten, especially by like those Pistons teams, like LeBron doesn't get any of that. So I feel like it was maybe tougher for Jordan to score and play like as much as he did on a lot of nights. But I mean, like it's hard to compare. So Uh, it's hard to compare generation to generation in any sport and um obviously the game's changed a lot since the 90s but I mean in the 90s everyone said Jordan got all the calls which maybe he did in comparison but then you compare him to literally any player now and like the refs call everything right yeah yeah that's the one thing that sucks about today's play is like it's so slow at some points Especially if there's two bad teams. Yeah, and you'd rather, honestly, I'd, I don't know about you guys, but I'd rather see the team, like the players work it out amongst themselves, unless if it's like a blatant foul. But when it's like a little thing, like, I don't know. I hate it when players just fish for, for fouls and free throws and stuff, like Harden and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I hate the stupid kick out that Harden does. It feels like they're just like finding loopholes in the game to be able to... Oh, yeah, that's... The, that's exactly what they're doing, yeah. But it's just it slows down play so much, and then it just it just basically puts the game into their hands at that point because the refs are forced to call it. 
But then, yeah, like Evan was saying, it was so much better when, or I, at least I think a basketball game is a lot better when you have a lot more physicality to it because, like, a little jab or something for, like, some refs in today's NBA would be like, oh, there's a tech, like, and it's like, okay. But then back then, like, you see the footage of them and they're just like, they're literally roasting each other. Well, you see that they show that one scene where uh, Pippen gets hurt and the ref literally drags him off the court so the play yeah. can keep going. Uh, like, yeah, that's crazy. And then it's just like the relationship between the refs and the players is just like so much more like raw and so much more like competitive than nowadays. It's just like you gotta call every little thing, and then there's a fine for every little thing. Like, like those that put that Pistons footage of like the shit that they were doing. It was I think it was like the eighty, the eighty eight playoffs or eighty nine or something. And then they were literally just like basically hurt Jordan as much as you can, but yeah. he's like midair going up for a jumper, and they're like dragging him back down. Like like keep Jordan out of the air at all means. It's like today's NBA. Like if the Pistons, if a team like that existed, the Pistons would like they'd be missing like half the season because of player fines and like being like you you can't play this game like suspension after suspension like it's just like i i don't know it's hard to like like you said it's hard to compare skill wise if the skills are like player to player if it's any different or any better than today than it was back then but definitely the physicality makes it a lot more entertaining like you see like once in a while you see some footage of like players literally about to like go at it like they wouldn't hockey I think yeah. it's like, like obviously, obviously you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but like it's kind of it's kind of like cool that they would like you'd get that into it. Where today, like, w- like what's the most recent scrap we've had? Like that one time, Joel and Bead and Carl Anthony like kind of like pulled at each other. Then Joel was like, "I'm like a lion, and you're like a gazelle or something." It was like, "What are you like? It, you literally like poked him." Last year, Serge like punched a guy in the head. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that that was just like a horribly placed punch, though. Like he didn't even—I wow. don't think he even connected on it. But yeah. like that, yeah, that was probably the most like brutal one. But it wasn't even brutal because like Serge like can't fight anyone. So like, <laughs> I'm not saying I could do any better, but it's just like it was just kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I think physicality in sport has just gone down in general, not just in basketball. Like, you see less of the enforcers in hockey, and they've eliminated the home plate collision in baseball. And I don't know enough about football, but I think, like, they've got all those concussion rules and stuff in place. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, football and, like, hockey is, is a totally different discussion because, like, you, you have to, like, draw the line somewhere because you're basically getting – a bunch of padded meatheads to like hit each other as hard as they can and like that's just asking for like uh, that's just asking for some damage to be done that's that's one of the things like um that i think is so much better uh about like a violence between rugby and football is because in rugby it's like mutually understood that no one's padded up so if like you hit someone it's gonna hurt you just as much maybe even more depending on how you hit them yeah but in football as soon as like you give someone some padding they fit in like one of those weird like uh back brace things they wear sometimes depending on like who uh who's playing but as soon as you put some of that on in the helmet you're just they just think they're indestructible and just go in like head first and it's like come on (laughs) yeah i mean hockey's not really like that but yeah football for sure is hockey's gotten really really good with head contact and like you barely see it anymore 
Yeah, like, didn't a huge kind of, like, um, wake-up call, wasn't that when Crosby got that, like, nasty concussion, then he got, like, another one, like, immediately after or something? Didn't that happen? Yeah, that was, like, that was, like, 2011. That was, like, like, he was, like, the, like, the best player in the world, right? And you don't want to see the, the star players of your, your, your leagues get hurt, miss, you know, eight months or ten months or whatever he missed. So I think that was a big big factor in them stepping up and sort of punishing punishing players for like significantly for head contacts and like like I think there's been one or two in this shortened like NHL season that were like sort of bad head contact ones that but other than that like there hasn't really been much yeah I mean I think generally when the star of the sport gets involved in some kind of controversial play that's when the rules change because even in I think it was 2010 or 2011 Buster Posey was like the best catcher in baseball like maybe the best player at the time um I think he had just come off of his MVP year and he was like two years into the league or something like that like one of the most promising players in baseball and then um they had that home plate collision rule that people were kind of trying to argue that they should change. And then he got involved in a bad home plate collision and missed an entire season because of, uh, I think he broke a bone and had like a really bad concussion. And uh, it was after that, that they decided like, yeah, we need to get rid of this. It hasn't been the same player since. Well, he's still been a great player, but he hasn't been at that same level. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's tough. I think uh, I've got like one little sports question too. I'm I'll probably ask just to kind of uh, finish this whole sports talk off. Would you guys rather sit in average seats at any game where you can get free drinks, free food, all that stuff, or sit in the best seats, but you can't get up, you can't eat, you can't go to the bathroom? <laughs> Definitely average. I'm definitely best seats. Really? The problem is like what if yeah. what if after like halftime you have to go to the bathroom and then you spend the last half of the game just sitting there like not being able to enjoy yourself. I'm like for me going to like a sporting event, I'm there to watch the game. I'm not there to like Okay, imagine this Evan, imagine this. You're at game 7 Eastern semifinals last year Kawhi goes up and makes that shot everyone can stand up except you you're just in your seat yeah but if I'm on if I'm on the friggin if I'm on but you can't get up you can't get up you can't get yeah but if I'm courtside I can see it so I don't care nobody's in front of me nobody's in front of me you're just you're just gonna stand you're just gonna sit there like a chump just like I need the pin (laughs) Okay, so before before you go to the game, you just don't drink any water, or you pee right before you sit down, so you're good. Three hours, you can do three hours. I don't know about you, but you can sit there, and Matthew and I are gonna have our our uh, good enough seats with unlimited food and drinks, and be yelling and cheering and. Yeah, so you if you have unlimited food and drinks, you're gonna be going to the bathroom more than me. I don't know. Once you uh you uh cross that twenty minute. Fre- threshold but you uh, get to go to the bathroom when you're in the bathroom. don't break the seal yeah yeah but that means you also miss miss the play yeah i guess how about this the worst seats or 
um that bar that we went to last year <laughs> the worst wait are you talking wait like uh the one that like the one that was in toronto yeah dude that bar was a vibe though yeah, it was like that basement bar the worst seats are like the 300 ones right it's like the upper bowl like way up top is there like a beam in the way or like can you actually see the play it's the worst yeah, it's the actual worst seat so whatever whatever is the worst seat if there's a beam in the way in a, a certain area then that's where you're sitting yeah i'm probably taking the restaurant then because i wait did you say that the tickets the worst tickets are you still have to pay for them or are they free no, it just it's free either way uh i don't know i feel like going to the game and the atmosphere would be worth maybe the the bad view what if you get free booze at the bar yeah then i go to the bar <laughs> yeah i think i'd pick the bar honestly like the atmosphere the atmosphere is pretty good at at the bar or just anywhere downtown yeah no that place was good that place was pretty good yeah and then like coming out on the street afterwards where everyone was like out on the street like running around and stuff yeah good times so did you want to do the history thing now oh hold on i think i might need to sneeze oh hold on maybe uh, (laughs) no i think it's gone now yeah, so ra- random history thing. So I kind of like forgot about that until like 20 minutes before this. So um, we're not going to so much talk about a history, a part of history, but we're going to talk about funny Canadian laws. Now keep in mind, take these all with a grain of salt. I had, did not fact check these to actually figure out whether or not they're legal or not legal, but like real. They might not be legal yet. <laughs> Nonetheless, it's it's a fun time. So we got a uh, we got British Columbia here. We got in British Columbia, it's illegal to kill a Sasquatch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what even is a Sasquatch? Well, we're gonna have to cut that part. It's out probably it's going. probably Chris when he comes out of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> No, but like, is it an animal or is it a person? Uh, I think it's like some kind of ape monkey thing. It's like what ape, uh, like uh, what Bigfoot is. Yeah, it's like the same thing. And then like the Yeti is like the snow version. Yeah, I think a Yeti is actually like supposed to be bigger or something like way bigger. Oh, I don't know. I haven't read into it enough. We should get Chris on this show. He'll probably talk about it. He loves loves Sasquatch uh, (laughs) facts. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, didn't he? Doesn't he watch that show? It's like the guys are calling the Sasquatch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some guys spend like forty years of their life searching for Sasquatch. Oh my God! Can you imagine? And it's really just like some like Inuit people walking in the snow with some snowshoes or something. (laughs) Look how big his feet are. They're so perfectly round, like snowshoes, like the ones we're wearing. <laughs> Here's a really like specific one in Vancouver. It was illegal to sell a stove on a Wednesday from 1947 to 1986. I wonder why that would be. Those were dark times. Yeah, post post World War Two, pre Vietnam War. I guess it's post Vietnam War too, but <laughs> the the 
stove age, I'll call it. Those those baby boomers were just fiending for for stoves every day of the week. They had to give them a day off. <laughs> I got I got to cook this casserole. <laughs> cook the casserole. Okay, in Oak Bay, you could be fined a hundred dollars if your parrot talks too loudly. If your parrot? Yep. Where's Where is Oak Bay? Simbridge, Columbia, Oak Bay. Who Who determines how loud it is? <laughs> and like, how do they prove that it was loud? Well, I guess I has to do it again then. It was definitely this place definitely has a population of like five, and the self-proclaimed <laughs> mayor lived next door to someone with a parrot, and then just like yeah, made just this law, this person. yeah, made this law to make sure that eighteen thousand people work or live there. Eighteen thousand. Uh, um, they all live in the same house. <laughs> in Alberta, it's illegal to set fire to the leg of a wooden-legged man. <laughs> <laughs> But wooden-legged so ladies are are all like anyone can set fire to those. Yeah, the just men, the men. Can't set fire men to are them. men are safe. Women are. Hashtag, hashtag equal rights, equal yeah. wooden leg rights. Apparently in Toronto, it's illegal to swear in a public park. Really, motherfucker. I kind of feel like that's just kind of like an unwritten rule in most public areas, though. Like that you're not like an ass. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're on like a, I don't know, if you go to like a grocery store or something, and you're swearing at the top of your lungs, you're gonna probably get kicked out. We'll have to test that out then at some point. Yeah, maybe we will. God damn! You want to go into the movie review now? Oh boy, do I. Okay, Evan, yes, you're up. Please. Me too. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, so we me, I guess I got to pick the movie this week and I picked one of my favorite Brad Pitt movies. Uh The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Um so I got a little little bit of information on that. Um so the movie was released in 2008 and it stars Brad Pitt and Kate, I'm going to butcher her name, Blanchette. 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 Say Blanchette. Something like that. Um, yeah, so Brad is Benjamin Button and Kate is Daisy, who is the love of Benjamin's unusual life. Um the movie is a fictional story about Benjamin, who is born as an old man, and it follows his, and it, <laughs> and it follows his life as he ages backwards towards youth, and it is told from the perspective of their daughter, because she's reading it in uh, Benjamin's diary to Daisy, as uh, she sort of lying on her deathbed there. So, um movie won three oscars for best achievement in arts direction makeup visual effects blah blah blah. um nominated for 10 other oscars as well in 2009 brad was nominated for best actor um in a leading role and there was like um best achievement in directing for the director david fincher 
Um, yeah, I don't know. For me, this movie's really, really cool because it's sort of an unusual idea with, you know, a baby being born old and then living his life sort of backwards. Like, as he gets older, he gets younger. And, I mean, like, I don't... Obviously, that doesn't happen. That's not a, it's not a thing, but... Um, you know, I really enjoy it. I think Brad does a really good job. Um, yeah, I just, I, I really like the story. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? What are you? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, negative thoughts on the movie? Um, not really. I just sort of. I don't really like the fact that he leaves when he does. Like, I feel like he could have spent, you know, spoiler, uh, but I feel like he could have spent uh, more time with uh, Daisy and his daughter um, because he just, like, he comes back later and, uh, like, I don't know, however much later, like, a few years, I guess they don't say, it's but... It's probably, like, ten let's years. Say, yeah, like, I don't know why he he couldn't have parented for five to ten more years and actually had more time and stuff. I guess he just sort of did it because he didn't want her to remember him and be confused to why he left yeah, or something. Yeah, probably but, for, like, the best interest of the kid. Yeah, so, I mean, like, that would be, obviously, a really tough decision and... Um, yeah, I don't know. Not really any negatives on the, the movie itself, though. How about you, Mac? Okay, well, I've, uh, I've watched this bad boy probably, like, five to eight times. Kind of lost track, but it's definitely a top 15 favorite film for myself. Uh, I've got a huge heart on for Brad Pitt. Anything he does, if I could be any man in the world, it'd definitely be Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Also, David Fincher is just a definitely a top, top five director for me. Does a lot of he's done a lot of good stuff like a uh, Seven. I don't know if you guys have seen Seven. Um, Gone Girl. It's also a really Gone Girl. He does Social Network, which I liked as well. He did Zodiac, which I liked. He did Fight Club, which I like, but I don't I don't like as much as. Uh, other people um i'd say like for me out of all the fincher movies i've seen fight club's probably my least favorite yeah like it's it's by no means is it bad no um, it's pretty good but he's got a lot of good movies yeah yeah there's one other one that i really like i think uh oh yeah huge fan of the mind hunter show on netflix oh is that his two seasons yeah, he does. He does that. He does it. Uh, I don't know if he does. Yeah, yeah, he does all. He's done all the episodes for that. Another thing I'm he did sure. too, which is kind of a fun fact, is um, he was involved with. I think it was the special effects for Star Wars Episode Five. Possibly. Like, like way before he was ever a director, he did that. Like in the early '80s, and before he did like full-on movies he did like a lot of music videos like he did he's a huge music video guy like he did a bunch for madonna for michael jackson he did a bunch of commercials for nike he did um 
stuff for Coca-Cola, the Rolling Stones, like Sting, Aerosmith, like a bunch of like huge George names Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta love some George Michael. <laughs> yep. But um as a movie so yeah, huge David Fincher fan. The movie itself definitely gets the feels going after I uh, I started around ten o'clock last night. Finished it around like one ish. Um, definitely had to spend a good half an hour on TikTok trying to get my emotions in check. Uh, was not was not suitable to go to bed. At least two boxes so, of Kleenex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not because you were crying. Yeah, no, 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 it's a separate thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, a beautifully sad movie. The effects. Obviously, the effects um, kind of look a little, little rough now, but honestly, like even then, they're not even that bad. Like the makeup is really crazy. How well they did the makeup on, on a Brad Pitt. The one, yeah. the one, like the one issue I just have with the movie is nothing even to do with the story or acting. Is just like, um, I know when I initially watched it, just like trying to conceptualize how old he really was at certain parts. Like later in the movie, is kind of hard because. Brad is like already a pretty youthful looking guy for his age. So like the whole like when he's in his 40s and 30s is kind of like hard to actually f- remember just by looking at him how old he roughly is because he's just like already a good looking guy then you're and like he looks good for his age so you're not sure if he if like he's wearing makeup or he's not and then like her age also gets kind of confusing cuz she's also like a good looking lady who's pretty youthful looking so um yeah yeah it's, that's like the only complaint but that's not even like something that'll take you out of it it's just like a really like little thing but it was yeah. also i'm a huge like uh fan of when a movie takes you throughout history so it's kind of like a uh kind of like a forrest gum situation where you see them going throughout stuff like you see him when he's in his 70s and or yeah like well late, it's actually written or, by like the same 70s. screenwriter as Forrest Gump? It's the same screenwriter as Forrest Gump. And um, I hadn't seen it in a number of years, but when I rewatched it, like the whole time I was thinking like, this is a lot like Forrest Gump. Cause like the narration style is exactly the same where it's like somebody later in the future is kind of telling this story about this character. Um, yeah. And then it kind of like cuts between like present time and then like, the story of this person's life yeah. and how they came to be the person that they were. Yeah. Um, it's like exactly the same. Which one do you guys like better though? Between Forrest Gump and this one? Oh, definitely this one. You think so? Yeah. Well, that's just cause like, I don't know. It's definitely cause I've just like grown up more with Brad Pitt movies. So I, I, I would definitely say that like these movies are pretty comparable. Like, um, I noticed when I was going through IMDb, um, just like random user reviews, a lot of them were like, this is like a poor man's uh, Forrest Gump, but like you can't really compare the two because like they, yeah, they do kind of go through the same narration style and they use the same kind of history, historical elements, like taking you throughout history and all that jazz, but they're just like, they're so unique from one another, like, like just a... Uh, cinematography wise this movie is so much more like um not really it kind of just uses a darker palette so 
everything kind of like pops way more visually than it does in Forrest Gump. Like Forrest Gump looks good. There's nothing wrong with it, but just like this movie is definitely more visually appealing, I think. Because it's newer. It just be, yeah, it might just be because it's newer, but not even like movies. Don't, it's not even like age really that does that. Like you can, some movies are just shot better than other movies, but um, yeah, no, yeah. I just grew up more with Brad Pitt movies like Inglorious Bastards and stuff like that so tom hanks is by no means like a bad actor or anything but i just would prefer uh this over forest how about you evan yeah i don't know that's actually a lot tougher for me than it was for you i i don't know i i kind of want to say forrest gump because i mean i haven't seen it Maybe I watched it this year. I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like they're really, 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 really similar and really, really, both really, really good movies. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I'll just I'll just be the the opposite there and let Mac <laughs> let Matt oh, wait, wait, to wait. tie break. Are you saying? Oh wait, so you are choosing Forrest Gump? Yeah, I'll choose Forrest and then oh, we'll I let thought, Matt. I thought we'll Matt, Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I thought you were like, I'm just gonna go on the fence. I was gonna be like, Bleh. no, 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 no. I'll pick Forrest, even though I both I like, I really like both of them, and then I'll let Matt tie break us. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I'm tiny. <laughs> as <laughs> as I said earlier, I hadn't seen it in like ten years, so I barely remembered the movie at all um it's definitely a really cool concept and it's different from kind of any other movie you'd watch i read the book in high school or like the short story or whatever it is and it's like pretty well completely different because the book is like a satire and it kind of just says like yeah this guy ages backwards and it's kind of like funny and he doesn't really know what's going on with his life or understand it and then this the movie is a drama obviously there's some funny moments but it's uh like the way the story's told is completely different and honestly the book is probably shorter to read than the movie is to watch so um the thing is like it's almost like three hours long but i never really felt like it was no it goes by like really it... fast and they definitely don't have any there aren't really any parts in there that don't need to be in out. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And like the acting's really good. They've got even like the bit actors in there. Like Mahershala Ali plays a, a role in there. Like before he was even a household name. Now he's like a two-time Academy Award winner. Um, Tilda Swinton too. She's like the love interest halfway through. Um, yeah. She's also a big-time actress. Um, I, I like all the ideas that are kind of brought up, um, how it kind of asks the viewer to look at life from a different point of view um, and kind of just appreciate the little things in life because since he spends the first part of his life looking through the eyes of an old person, not just himself but also living with old people, he appreciates life differently than most kids would. Um, and then I also love like the little funny ad libs on the side. Like, honestly, probably my favorite part is that guy who keeps saying he got struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they cut to like that little silent 
montage where he's like running through a field and gets hit by lightning or whatever. Um, The one thing that I'm not really a fan of though, is I find that a lot of the stuff he does, there's really like, you don't see the consequences and his character doesn't seem overly affected by any negative things that happen to him other than like his actual physical um like appearance but like one example is like when he's on that boat yeah and that's what I was gonna he's say. being shot at like they build it up they build it up that he's got like no life jacket and it's like okay what's gonna happen here everyone kind of gets killed except for him um and he kind of just hides in the corner and then like it just cuts through that whole part and suddenly he's on a boat and it's like okay i guess he's fine and like the movie's great but i think if there was one thing that i would change it would be um to kind of show that like he does feel some negative emotion because for the most part he's always looking at the bright side of things which is good but no one actually does that and um there's definitely parts in there where any human being would feel the effects of something and he doesn't seem to feel those effects that's like the one negative that i have with the movie um and i think that's maybe the main reason why i would say forrest gump is better um I mean, Forrest Gump's like a top 15 for me, and this one, I don't think I would put it in my top 50. Obviously, uh, like it won a bunch of awards and it deserved all that stuff. And another thing that I wanted to point out too is like the makeup and the animation for like the aging technology. They like hyped up the Irishman with that like crazy, and I didn't think that it was that good. And honestly, like comparing this to the Irishman in terms of like, how they show like the aging um i would say like this is on par with that or maybe even better yeah 100 yeah the irishman's whole makeup technology was super underwhelming it was underwhelming especially because they hyped it up like crazy like that was like one of the big selling points and like even though like um like obviously it's going to be a while until you have like photorealistic faces like where like you're because a huge problem with the photorealism, like the aging stuff, is because like just be- because we're human, we can catch and figure out who's human and who's not just like psychologically by like looking at them. So we can yeah. tell that by like looking and look seeing like the shadows on their faces and like seeing how your skin moves like the- when you talk or your eyes move and how that like your skin around your eye moves while your eyes are darting around and all that. So, like, the technology won't be there for a little while, but definitely The Irishman was super underwhelming, especially because a huge component of what I think makes the de-aging and Curious Case better is because you can see his body, like, him move around when he's super old. So, like, yeah. him, he's using, like, the double crutches, and you can see him, like, swinging around, and you can there's, like, that scene where she's uh, the the mom's like giving him like physical therapy while in the bathtub, like she's straightening his like legs and stuff. Yeah. And you can really like see and feel the arthritis that's like in his, uh, in his uh, joints. But like in the Irishman, 
it was so dumb because when you have young Leonardo DiCaprio's character supposedly who's in his 30s walking around you mean Robert De Niro oh yeah Robert De Niro yeah not did I say Leonardo DiCaprio yeah 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 no I meant Robert De Niro anyways Robert De Niro's character is walking around the man in real life though has like horrible posture because he's old yeah and like he and that exact same posture carries over to that like there's a scene specifically where um of both him and uh joe pesci's character are like figuring out how to fix this engine in this car and they're both like slouched over the hood of the car yeah i know that but they're like you can like you can like see like how slouched their backs are and how like oh and how um de niro has like a bad hip yeah and like they're just like limping around and then it's like (laughs) you're supposed to believe they're in their 30s and also i i don't know like what the whole like hype was because the de-aging literally all they did was just like smooth the wrinkles on their cheeks and forehead and like like, change the color in their hair yeah but like no one's skin looks like that like you don't like it's not just like this glossy like weird flat smooth I think so, like, it's I that think... it was like a whole new technology that they used, and that was what the big thing was. But honestly, like, like... I, I think the de aging in Captain Marvel, I don't, I don't really like Captain Marvel as a movie, but like I think the de aging that was yeah. way better than it was yeah. in uh... with Sam Jackson and stuff, right? Yeah, and the yeah. other guy Coulson, like yeah, Coulson's already like they both like keep in mind they both already like they look pretty youthful for their age. So, like, it's not super hard. You're not dealing with the same, like, age as De Niro, but still. It, it, yeah. I don't know. It was just, it was just yeah. like, but, yeah, the technology in this definitely, like, uh, like it still, like, holds up. It looks really For good. Sure. The, cinemat- the cinematography is really nice to look at. Um, that whole, that, like, uh, that segment when they're fighting the U-boat, that, like, all looks really good out in the ocean. Like, it's not super dodgy um yeah kind of go off of what you said how there's no consequences one thing i was thinking about last night was kind of like like obviously it's part of the story and it's kind of like his whole like thing about like his father's trying to redeem how he just basically essentially left him to die to a certain extent by dropping him off at the place um at the old folks home but it was just i just like obviously it's in the writing and all that um but it's almost like kind of like a ghetto jail free card when he's just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to give you all my money and assets. And it's like, you never actually like have to see him struggle financially for the rest of the movie because he's got millions of dollars. No. Yeah. There's definitely like, I think life definitely comes way too easily for him because I mean, it doesn't come that easily for 99% of people that, have normal bodily functions but like this guy's somebody who would be considered um i guess handicapped not really though because like he's not he's not really that handicapped because he is at the beginning obviously but like when he leaves his home to go work on the boat like yeah he's old but he's like pretty good shape for an old dude yeah and he's I don't only know. getting younger so like yeah that was that's like yeah that'd probably be my only other, like my only real thing and this is just picking it like being super like niche and stuff but yeah like you guys said like he doesn't really face any economic troubles 
yeah. and just like has all these assets at his disposal, which I guess then I I guess is purposely done because it's like it is a drama, but I think it's more of a a love story, really, if anything. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, so kind of just I guess it's just kind of like then that just having that money just helps it focus on it being a love story more than him being like, I can't pay rent. Help <laughs> 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 me. Yeah. So what are your uh, ratings for it? I, I want to give it a 10 out of 10, but, like, it's not, obviously. But, like, I don't know. My rating system is kind of skewed, though, because um, giving oh, something bad. a 10 out of 10 doesn't really, like, make, like, to doesn't really necessarily mean it's a perfect film. It's just, like, something It's, like, that, just like, your personal favorite? It's, like, it's, like, I would go back and watch it, like, whenever. Like, there's not a bad time to watch it. Like, like obviously, there would be bad times to watch a movie, like, if your home was being... In, robbed then you wouldn't sit down and watch a movie <laughs> <laughs> but like if you're assuming you're in a safe environment <laughs> you just sit down <laughs> and watch this movie whenever um yeah so i'd probably i'd probably give it a 10 out of 10 for that reason because it just like time flies it's just like next thing you know it's over i'm like oh okay sick nice how about you evan yeah i don't know i'm a i i like brad pitt a lot and i liked uh the concept was really uh unique for me and um like the like you guys said the aging like effects and and tech and stuff were also really really good especially for the time that it was released like i think it was 2008 and uh yeah i don't know i'd say like nine nine two something like that for me I'm kind of the same with Mac where it's like I could almost give a movie like two separate ratings like kind of a personal rating and then also like a um a more like critical rating because I find there's some movies where like I watch them and I love them so much that I can just kind of disregard any of the negative parts about it and then just give it a 10 even though it might only be like an 8.4 or something if you were to look at it critically um and uh i don't know with this one like it's a it's a great movie but i wouldn't say that it's one of my like all-time favorites um so i'd probably give it like an eight six but like we would all recommend it probably oh yeah for sure somebody was gonna yeah no it's it's top notch and it's on netflix so if anyone hasn't seen it or if anyone wants to re-watch it at some point you can always even get though it on we've there. completely spoiled it yeah but, we yeah. have completely spoiled it but whatever or you could come to my house and watch it i have it on dvd which is not hd but my tv size makes up for the lack of hd <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's basically yeah that's a movie review eh and that's it i know you had a question for the viewers right evan oh yeah we were going to do this thing to start the podcast sort of like uh max says his sort of thing of the week that he's sort of focused on and matthew does his thing of the week that he focuses on and they've got their ideas and stuff but uh i'm still searching for for my thing of the week i don't know uh sort of what to focus on just sort of like an idea something to throw into the podcast to throw some people or make some people think, I guess. And uh, so, yeah, if anybody 
Yeah, it doesn't listens. even have to be something to make you think. It's just lighthearted or whatever, too, if you want. Like, Max doing, like, yeah. a TikTok of the week. I'm just going to yeah, tell I'm a funny story. Yeah, I'm describing a TikTok. Yeah, I'm just going to tell, like, some <laughs> kind of funny story from something that's happened to me in the past. I kind of yeah. want to do one now, though. Well, okay, just hold on a sec. Let me just Hold on, say, he's not done explaining his unoriginal idea. Let me... How about you shut up? <laughs> let me just uh, say if anybody actually listens to this and they have any ideas, then... Uh, Please call me. I'm throw <laughs> throw me a... Yeah. Just uh, somehow get a hold of me and let me know what you, your thoughts are. Yeah, he's got text plus and he's got kick. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you can put yeah. that on the, the bio description or something for them to access if you lo- log on to a meagle he's always on there he's like one of the first people that pops up <laughs> yeah yeah you can see me on there maybe we'll get a instagram page up soon maybe get a hold of us that way too all right matt your your floor is yours okay cool um so mac knows this story because he was there to witness it and he's involved in it but Evan, you haven't heard this yet. Um, so like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I was helping Mac move into uh, the uh, into Demello's room in the basement. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Mac's place is like, I don't know, maybe like a 200 meter walk away from where my student place is. Um, we were moving like I don't know, all, just all of his furniture out of his room in the van, but there just wasn't enough room in the van for me. So I was having to run from my place to his place each time that we were bringing like a new, uh, like shipment, I guess, of stuff. Um, Cocaine. Yeah. So um, we, I like was helping him carry this uh, side table or whatever up from his uh, old room at his old student house and um we put it we put it in the trunk of the van and as we're sliding it in there's this like red mark that kind of looks like um like paint like it looked like red paint but it was really like glossy and shiny and it looked like it was like fresh so mac just reaches out and puts his finger in it (laughs) and um he turns his finger back to look to look at it and it's on his finger <laughs> and the look on his face was just like complete disgust. And, um, it I turns out that it was like, painting. it was blood. Oh yeah. And he was like, is this blood? And everyone, it was like me and him and his mom. And we were like, we don't know where this came from. So like, we're looking around on like our legs and our arms to see if we've been bleeding and stuff. No, there's no blood anywhere. Mac's mom is like, your finger's bleeding, Mac. Um, <laughs> but it was literally just like because he had put his finger in the blood already. Um, yeah, some minor confusion. Yeah. So we spent like five minutes just being like, where did this come from? And like Mac went back inside and asked his roommate who hadn't even been involved in moving stuff. Like, have you been bleeding? And <laughs> like we looked in his room and there was nothing there. And then... It wasn't until I was, like, having to run back to my place, my nose, like, started bleeding. Yeah. Um, and then I guess that's probably where it came from. But it was just weird because it was, like, 
I never felt my nose bleed until like 10 minutes after we had found that ghost blood on the side table. So maybe it was unrelated. Maybe it was completely unrelated. Maybe Mac's old room was haunted. Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, the cartel cartel's been putting bodies in the ceiling of my room. Yeah. Room. The look on your face when you put your finger in it, though. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I literally thought it was like paint from like 20 years ago or something. I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> no. Not too good. Yeah, that's funny. Yep. Uh, if anyone has any concerns, any questions, please voice them at P.O. Box. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, we'll get we'll get an Insta page running soon, so we can you can DM us there and uh, complain about how dead inside Evan sounds. Can't help it. Sorry. Hope you guys have a good rest of your Mother's Day and uh, happy birthday, Bruno. Bruno. <laughs> Shout out all the moms. Mama. Next week on Socially Uneducated, episode two. Evan's gonna yodel. Hell, I might even do my Whitney Houston impersonation, but we all know Mac's just gonna keep on talking. Every episode's gonna close out with a song from the album we reviewed. This week, we're bumping Electric Feel by MGMT. Lay it down. Shut up.